Welcome to the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast. Hi, I'm David Manti, and welcome to a new episode of the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast. With me this week is Moore Stringer, owner of Shakti Greenlit. How are you doing today, Moore? Awesome. Amazing, man. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate it. Uh, before we get started, please make sure... Oh, yeah. Uh, before we get started, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You could help us out a lot by leaving the podcast a positive review on whatever platform you use. Finally, if you want to email the podcast, you can reach me at david at cannabisequipmentnews.com. More, I always like to start with a bit of background, and you have quite the background in the cannabis industry. You've been doing this nearly 30 years. How did you get your start in the cannabis industry? My start in the cannabis industry, I guess maybe like all of those who started out the can of curious, we all started out smelling a nice herb and uh, getting that whiff it at mine's. It was at my poppy's house. And um, I was about 13 years old when I started smoking, 14 when I was arrested for sale. So uh, that's my legacy involvement, my first legacy involvement being on the front lines of that war on drugs. So how long were you on that front line in the war on drugs? And then how did it evolve into creating Shakti? Well, I think uh, probably uh, predominantly my whole life, you know, my juvenile record, I have three legacy arrests, um, you know, and then I got back into it in my adult uh, years. I was 28 years old when I started Gorilla Growing, started Gorilla Growing in Georgia, then, um, you know, had success, seed to sale, and then uh, meeting that need and that demand, you know, having to travel to the other states, having to go to NorCal having to go to Colorado, uh, making that interstate traveling trip, seed to sale to provide to my patients. Um, I ended up getting arrested in 2015, sale to an undercover cop. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's, that's from, from, I guess from 2008 to 2015 was my, my legacy run. Okay. Um, and after that, uh, were you incarcerated for that? No, 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 never. Uh, I never uh, spent more than five days in jail, which is which is a, which is a crime. I, you're only supposed to be spending 72 hours in jail um, before you uh, get to see the judge. So I was actually held against my will in Ohio. But I um, know I've been fortunate enough never having to do any time uh, behind my cannabis arrest. I had some serious arrests, sale to undercover cop, $60,000 worth of concentrates uh, going through Ohio. My first arrest was a uh, sale to a minor. I was a minor myself. So yeah, um, evading um, that that aspect, I think I attribute that to me being very spiritual. So uh, when did you make the decision to try and start a mainstream product line like Shakti Greenlit? Um, just seeing the opportunity and, and in seeing everybody else, you know, just like the Green Rush, people mm-hmm. who maybe not have been invested in it, sort of opportunity. So me being invested in, into it for a greater part of my life, I definitely sort of opportunity. And um, I was it was extended to me and um, I wanted to really create something. So I incorporated some professionals from another field of creating products. I didn't just want to kind of come out the shelf and just do my little mom and pop mixture that I've been doing in the legacy space. I want I wanted to be a real uh, viable entity to this space. I wanted to really create something that added value to, to this space. So it is it is it essentially a five hour energy with cannabis? Exactly. It's four to seven hours of energy. Um, we wanted it to be a lot cleaner than a, than a, uh, a five hour. So we, we uh, opted out of all the sugars. The, um, we didn't do the flavor and flavorings and stuff like that. Too well. So we kept it natural, uh, natural, natural, no tropics, amino acids, 
100 milligrams of caffeine, vitamin B6, B12, B3, um, which I like, you know, in terms of the brain boosting aspect with the energy, clean energy. When So when you were uh, looking at getting into um, the legal uh, legalized part of the business, why did you pick an energy shot? You know, did you feel like all the other products were oversaturated? Were you looking for a new product category? Um, what was that part of the process? I think my natural instinct, but also re- read this book called Blue Ocean. And um, it's a philosophy that I think a lot of people should maybe adopt in this space. You know, the Blue Ocean Ideas in Business is a business book. Um, when when talking about creating value in any space, you kind of want to be first. You don't you want as uh, little as competition as possible. So I had some some avenues to create these products that you already see, um, white label opportunities. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted to create something new, um, something that I wouldn't have competition with, um, and something that could be really of value of this space. I'm a lifetime athlete, and cannabis has always been a part of my athleticism been wrestling since I was 12 years old, collegiate style, Olympic style, Greco-Roman style wrestling. And I've just been doing that. I'm 42 years old. I still, it's wrestling season now. I still make it to the gym. I still help out wherever I can. Um, so just the athleticism, is has just been a big part of my journey and I love it, you know, to bring that to the cannabis space. Do you do any coaching? Oh, I'm a lifetime coach. I think coaching saved my life. You know, um, my father wasn't there around as much as he could be. He's a Vietnam vet, Marine. So he was going through a lot of mental issues himself. Um, but my coaches were there in my corner to be that that father figure. So I, I, I'm the same way with children. I like to to dedicate that my time to that. So I'm not doing any uh, specific coaching, but I've coached uh, throughout my lifetime uh, with the kids. And um, I'm kind of involved in a, mental, a men's mental health group. So this oh, is just the reentry of these guys. So kind of adding some coaching to them what has been a part of my process for the last 15 years, meditation, yoga, uh, you know, just re, you know, connecting with the feminine energy. You know, some of us guys are so masculine, getting into violence and and in and out of jail. I think the feminine energy is an avenue to peace and and good energy. Do you use as part of the, uh, the men's mental health, uh, health group, do you use cannabis as a tool for people that uh, could possibly use something other than, you know, traditional, uh, uh, pharmaceuticals? Absolutely. There's an actual guy in my group who actually helps people with that. Um, they actually go to Jamaica and because uh, there's not a lot of opioids there. And they mm-hmm. use cannabis and other things to get people off of that opioid addiction along with other herbs and such. Okay. So uh, you wanted to create a new product category. How did you assemble a team to kind of make that happen? Did you have do you have any background in product development or did you kind of look out for specific people in consumer packaged goods to try and help bring a product to market? No, you hit you hit it head on the nail. I think you need to look for people with that expertise and background. I'm fortunate enough that one of my wrestling buddies uh since we were 12 has been creating supplements uh in the in the supplement industry for over 20 something years. Um, so I brought him in. Another friend of mine has been creating supplements and textiles, has, uh, you know, fully vertical, vertical integrated labs um, in America and in Mexico. Brought my, that guy in and brought another guy in um, to help me uh, to partner with this major entity who um, a lot of these these places, these people who have licenses, they might not have the depth to create their own original products. And that's what I'm seeing a lot of. Um, that's why they create a lot of the similar products. 
But I, I think that's what I offer to the industry that, you know, creating those blue ideas. And I just brought a team with me who understood creating products. Um, about 60 years, almost 60 years experience between the three of them. Wow. Do you, um, so do you do the manufacturing in-house or is an, is it through a partner or a third party and where is the manufacturing done? Yeah, so we're out in Fitchburg. It's not my product manufacturing lab, but it's being, pro- it's being produced out in Fitchburg by a company called Revolutionary Clinics. Okay. So we partnered with those guys uh, to bring, uh, to bring our uh, vision to market. How long was the product under development? Uh, a little over, probably a little under a year, I would say. Okay. How, uh, how have you gone about like marketing it, getting it out there? Because one of the things with the new product category is it's sometimes hard to find shelf space uh, in retail facilities. Well, just guerrilla marketing. And that's, I found the exact opposite, you know, with that strategy of the Blue Sea ideas of creating a product that didn't exist in the market. We had no competition uh, in the industry and um, uh, in terms of getting that shelf space. You know, a lot of people who create uh, beverages or create, you know, uh, candies and stuff, they might have to do a little more persuasion than somebody who has something that doesn't kind of exist in the market. So right now we have proof of concept, you know, um, and just guerrilla marketing, going to these um, events and telling the people, hey, you know, we got a cannabis energy shot. And it's like, really? How does that work? And, you know, so it's something that um, I'm excited to kind of be at the forefront of developing this category, this supplement category, um, being a lifetime athlete. And yeah. How would you describe the experience? How does it work? It acts like a, uh, an antidepressant. Um, I, actually, a lot of us are uh, deficient in vitamin Bs. So those vitamin Bs really kick up and boost the mental atmosphere and the energy, overall energy. I wanted to stay kind of safe and kind of create something that, you know, everybody could, you know, enjoy without any too many adverse reactions. We have the amino acids in there for the jitters. So it's not a strong onset or offset. But um, I want to, you know, continue to create some products like that and uh, come up with some more aggressive, um, you know, energy products. You know, I'm actually sipping on one right now with the same uh, the same kind of thing. Our prototype coming out with a drink. It's it's the brain boosting in the body, uh, stimulating uh, thing effect. How long has uh, the Shakti line been available so far? I would say eight weeks. Oh, okay. Well, how's the initial reaction gone? We've been getting some awesome reaction. I think at six weeks we were over three thousand units sold. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of the stores like it at the front counter. That one ounce size. Um, it seems to be a cool upsell. Mm. Have you? Did you guys run into any issues with the supply chain, uh, getting materials, or even like the plastics that you use for the bottle, anything like that? No issues, but just like, uh, I guess with any other business, we want to be able to create the product um, cheaper, you know, um, and that comes with those cards of sourcing the materials and stuff. So originally, our, our, this I guess called this our beta testing, we kind of ordered uh, materials and stuff from um, manufacturers who are readily available in America. Mm-hmm. But with, with ordering outside of the country, we can bring those cards down. Did you anticipate that type of early success out of the gate? No, I'm an extremely optimistic person. Um, you know, I just so I always believe in, in what I'm doing. Uh, you know, I'll, I'm always, you know, a student of Abraham Hicks in the law of attraction and mentalism. So I'm always believing um, that, you know, and knowing that I, I'm going to do something great in this space or any space I get into. Um, kind of transitioning a little bit. 
how would you describe oh actually before i get into that uh is it only available in massachusetts right now currently only available in massachusetts we are in conversations with some um some product manufacturers outside of massachusetts though. oh okay um I wanted to switch to uh, social equity programs because I uh, I watched some of your videos on YouTube um, and it looks like you get pretty involved with the social equity aspect of the cannabis industry. How would you describe it overall, the state of the industry when it comes to social equity in particular? Yeah, absolutely. I have a, an immense stake in it. And then when these states open up, uh, they're talking about you know mass incarceration and who was the who was those victims, the demographics of that. And these were brown and black. Uh, men predominantly. So yeah, I have a, I'm very emotionally tied to it. And as I mentioned to you, I never had to do any time. So I feel privileged and I have a lot of friends and family, including my son who was arrested for cannabis um, in a Southern state, uh, you know? So yeah, it, it's the war still definitely ensues. And um, I'm very passionate about speaking up about, you know, what was happening on ground zero. Um, I think it's a travesty that um, little boys are being attacked. And, you know, I wasn't even a grown man. You know, I have a child, like I said, my son is 20, my daughter, she'll be 18, uh, January 13th. And then I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old and a seven-year-old son. And um, it's just beyond me that, you know, you would take a 13-year-old child, um, a 14-year-old child and charge, and, you know, children even being younger than that and charge them as an adult for cannabis. I just think it's a travesty and there's an underlining thing going on uh, that needs to be addressed with this whole thing. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I I mean, it's absolutely preposterous. Uh, some of the things that, uh, some of the charges that they throw at people, particularly for cannabis. Do you think that that is changing in a positive direction? And, you know, in your opinion, what could make that happen, that change happen faster? I, I don't know. You know what? I'm a pothead. So I love the fact that I can, I'm not persecuted for necessarily smelling like weed um, and smoking and participating is was something I've always done. And people who are participating in cannabis have always seen uh, to be uh, outskirt on the outskirts or demonized by society. So I love that aspect. I love that aspect of everybody, you know, being introduced to it and cannabis uh, not being demonized. But in terms of uh, what's still happening to black and brown men is, it, you know, the uh, there was just a report, uh, in, uh, not the NCAA, I forget who put out the report, but they said that the, the disproportionate arrests still ensue in these states that well, went legal. Um, Colorado, 50%, um, still 50% disparity of arrests in cannabis, you know, so that's kind of that's kind of crazy that these states can go legal and continue to arrest people for it. So, yeah. No, that's one of the things that I find frustrating about how it changes state to state as to how it's legal and where is that you kind of never really know where you stand regardless of the region you're in, in the individual state, county, or in the entire country. And it's it's frustrating and it's kind of scary for anyone operating in the industry. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Definitely, I agree. Mass- in, um, in New York, you have the same thing that happened to me in uh, Massachusetts you have these caregivers who are operating in a gray area. Um, and that's what I was doing. I had my caregiver's license in Massachusetts and I was operating in a gray area um, because there weren't any uh, dispensaries open. And um, I had about a hundred people in my community and it was infiltrated by undercover uh, task force, drug ta- Boston tra- task force. So um, 
when you were a caregiver, did you say you were uh, growing at that time too? I was, yes. We had a uh, we had a nice little cool co-op that didn't work out. But uh, we had a, a three-story uh, co-op where we had cameras up and uh, we also uh, allowed people to grow their own cannabis. But yeah, I've always, I, I was growing, but not at, enough to meet my demand, nowhere near to meet my demand. So I was traveling. How would you describe, you know, when you actually grow the plant, how does that change your relationship with kind of its complexity? It's almost unreal, especially to a lot of us who don't grow produce. It's mm-hmm. almost unreal that um, this fruit can be produced from this thing, um, from nothing. You live, If you ever grew a cannabis plant, you know you really do nothing uh, to produce that. You know, you do the nutrients, you make sure the pH and everything is right. You make sure your sun and or whatever you're using. Now they have the, the lead lights, which are amazing. And you can also use sun. But um, at the end of the day, there's, there's nothing close to what you do to produce that. And I, I you know, I think growers who have their system down, um, you really do nothing. You know, um, you, you're, you're guiding the process, you know. When, uh, how would you describe, do you like being on the other side? Um, just because when I talk to people that have a legacy in... Um, sort of black market cannabis. Uh, sometimes they miss that sort of wild west mentality that went with it, especially when it comes to then having to run a business. Um, how would you describe those two different aspects? And uh, do you sometimes long for the uh, the old way of doing business? Well, unfortunately, I guess those skills have been transferable. Uh, you know, the streets to uh, legal cannabis is very cutthroat. Um, you know, and you have to move in an intelligent way. Um, in the streets, you might have police, other people coming after you, you know, people trying to rob you. Um, and, in, you know, so the, the risks are uh, higher, I believe. But um, there's a, it's, it's, a, it's a high, um, it's, it's an intense um, industry. And you have to have something more than just wanting to run the business. <laughs> That's why a lot, a lot of people kind of get deterred um, and ran off from cannabis, because you have to have something deeper that ha- yeah, your why has to really be intrinsically deeper and mine is, you know, I risk my life for this. So I have no problem being on the legal side, um, doing the same and creating legacy, man. Um, I fought my grandfather bootleg liquor and um, he, uh, he bought the house in 1960 that my mother still lives in to this day in Long Island, New York from straight liquor money. And um, he had the, uh, the same charge that uh, Compone had. Um, how he tells it is he was coming from Florida. Black people were coming from Florida to up North. He was in and giving it to the Italians. And um, so my, my grandfather was ex-military. And so that was his avenue. But um, you don't see many black operators in the liquor industry. So I, I, I'm here to create legacy and to be here, you know, and my why is so intrinsically deep, more than just up and down prices. And, you know, uh, it's, it's way my, my involvement is way past, you know, that. Well, that's one of the things that I found inspiring about your uh, ba- your background that um, was provided, that you're looking to build a legacy that your children could be a part of one day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um, and it's not that you're just uh, a consumer or a user. It sounded like cannabis has played kind of an important role in your family as well as the birth of your children. Absolutely. Yeah. My wife, uh, two home births, mm-hmm. um, no, no painkillers. She used cannabis topically. And, um, you know, we, we, uh, all over her entire body, we use cannabis. So yeah, she's, 
home birth, unassisted home births. That is incredible. As a person that's seen two births, the fact that you would uh, go that at home, I applaud you and your <laughs> the ability to do that. That's incredible. Yeah, and this was after she had two C-sections. You know, we have four children together. So yeah. she had her first two were C-sections. And um, the last two were, were home births. And it's just an amazing experience to be on ground zero. You have so much more respect for your spouse. And just that whole dynamic of what giving birth actually is. It's an it's a, it's a athletic event. And cannabis was there. She didn't do any painkillers or anything. So, yeah. No, I mean, talk about... The, watching it from the other side, it's just like, yep, I will never have anything over you after this. You know, <laughs> it's uh, you've done this for the family. You hold all the cards now. There you go. Um, yeah, it's a very intense thing. Um, I was reading a little bit about the Pies program. Uh, could you speak a little bit about uh, what you're trying to do there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Par- uh, pairing incubator Excel C. Um, it was, it was created. My wife created that program at a time when, um, people, there were no solutions for equity. And as you can see, there's still, um, there, there aren't any, um, solutions. So her background is creating policies and implementing policy, um, in the educational field, uh, during the Obama administration. So that's, that's the kind of same thing I used to create my product. I brought in experts from who were doing outside of cannabis. And that's kind of what we're missing here. My wife was kind of creating policy, interpreting policy and implementing policy outside of cannabis. So being a part of the economic empowerment program um, and then, you know, just being able to see how the CCC moves and what they can and can't do. She's very versed on that. And um, through that, that wisdom, she was able to create a, a program that fit inside of legislation. So there wouldn't be any other changes to legislation, but we'll ultimately will be a win win. I think we all forget about that. This is a capitalistic society. Um, so there has to be a win-win, you know, um, to tell businesses that they can't do certain things and move forward. You're going to get some pushback. So being able to create a program that's a win-win within the confines of equity, I think that's an amazing thing. You had a PIES program. What are your <clears throat> What are your plans to grow Shakti moving forward? Oh, man, I just want to continue to come up with these styles of, of drinks, we have this energy drink coming. We also have some sex shots um, and uh, sex uh, pills for men and women. We have some um, some male enhancement things, and all natural things to enhance male men's ability and stuff. So I just want to continue to do those type of supplement style products. I'm over 42 and Shakti is all about quality of life, you know? So if we can give that gift of quality of life to people to live more abundantly, that's the goal. So I, I, those type of products, supplement style products. Are these are um, are the products primarily being sold in dispensaries, or do you have e-commerce as well? Primar- primarily in dispensaries. We don't have a CBD line, but it's all in full spectrum um, outlets. Okay. All right. Um, you know, before we get out of here, is there anything else that you want to make sure the cannabis equipment news audience uh, knows about yourself or uh, Shakti in general? Oh, man, this has been an amazing interview. Um, I just health and wellness Shakti. I think the best way um, to uh, to be in this space is just kind of to show and prove. So that's what we come to bring to this space. So I'm going to be here. And uh, I think as people see what we're about and what we do, you know, it's going to pick up um, um, steam. Yeah. But um, it was real interesting. Thank you for bringing up the pies program and my wife. You know, 
uh, you know, that's one of the most things I'm proud of uh, my wife and what she's doing in this space. So, yeah. No, uh, thank you very much for joining me too. I really appreciate your time and I'm really excited to see what you guys have in store for us going forward. So, I mean, just keep at it. You guys are doing great. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, before we get out of here, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also help us out a lot by leaving the podcast a positive review on whatever platform you use. You can email the podcast. You can reach me at david at cannabisequipmentnews.com. All right. For more Stringer, I'm David Manti. This is the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast.